You're welcome to the teaching ministry of Pastor Chinedu Nwosu of The Bridge, A Simple Church. Stay back and be blessed. This Sunday morning, one more time, put your hands together for them and celebrate them. All right, and now if you came to church with your Bible, you may be seated. If you came to church with your Bible for the last time, get up on your feet and pull up your Bible to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28, we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 10. Everybody, get up on your feet, pull out your Bibles. Acts chapter 28, we're reading from verse 1 to verse 10. Um, the last week, I started a study, I started a teaching that I... I, I, I'm actually trying to put that together because it's under an umbrella of a series of teaching I call the Sermons for the Storm. Sermons for the Storm. So last week we did something special, but I believe that God is going to take it to second gear today. And if we don't conclude our thought today, I'm going to conclude the last Sunday of the month after the conference. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 28, we're reading from verse 1 to verse 10. Everybody, all right, okay. I want you to read together with me if you're as excited as I am as we go to verse 1. 1, 2, go. And when they were escaped, I can't hear you. Then they knew that the island was called Melita. Hold on. Another word for Melita is Malta. Some Bibles say Malta. Okay. Let's go back to the beginning. And use Malta for the, for the purpose of this study. And when they were escaped, back to verse 1. Then they knew that the island was called Malta. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness for the kingdom of the fire and received us every day. One, because of the present rain and because of the cold. I can't hear you. Verse 3. Louder. Out of the heat and fastened to his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he had escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffered not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked, and when they who should have swollen or fallen down suddenly dead, but after they had looked a great while, and saw no harm come to him. They changed their minds and said he was a god. And in the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island. Continue. Whose name was Publius. Who received us and lodged us three days cautiously. Verse 8. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and a bloody flocks. To whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and he healed him. So when he was done, others also. So, which had diseases in the island came and were healed and who also honored us with many honors and when we departed they laid in us with such things as were necessary for emphasis I want you to go to verse verse 3 verse 3 I want to read to your hearing verse 3 he says and when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire there came a viper out of the heat and fastened unto his hand. So a viper ran out and bit him. Didn't just bite him, but he held onto his hand and refused to let go. So with, with that, I also want you to come down to verse 8. Verse 8. So a viper bit his hand and held onto his hand. In verse 8, and it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever. And a bloody flocks to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands, the same hands that was bitten. 
He laid his hands, the same hand that the viper fastened to. He laid his hand, the same hand that was wounded. Uh, he laid his hand, the same hand that was pained. He laid his hand, the same hand that was attacked. He laid his hand on this man who was sick and that man became healed. You know why? Because with God, your wounded hand is going to become your wonder hand. Oh, somebody didn't hear what I said in church this Sunday morning. I said your wounded hand is going to become your wonder hand. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. Oh, somebody still gets it. Some of you don't get it on this side. I said your wounded hand is going to transform into your wonder hand. I want you to walk around to five people and say, let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Show me your right hand. Let me show you a right hand. I want you to look at that person and tell him that this wounded hand hand is going to be transformed into a wonder hand. Tell him I don't know what the enemy did to this your hand but God is going to do his own thing and is going to transform it into a wonder hand. Oh look at somebody else and tell that person let me see your left hand now. Let me see your left hand. Say your left hand looks pretty but I know it's been wounded before. Tell him now your wounded hand is going to get transformed into your wonder hand. Tell him you're moving from being wounded to being a wonder. Tell him he's moving from being wounded to being a wonder. Slap your neighbor a high five. Tell him your wounded hand shall be your wonder hand. Father, we thank you for your word. What a privilege to gather. What a privilege to stand under the auspices of your anointing and your Oh, Father, thank you because we know that before we came here today, there was a word. We came here hungry to hear what we need to know to carry us through the storms of life. And so, Father, I as your speaker, as your vessel, I hide behind the cross, hide what behind what you have already done for us. And say, Father, minister to somebody who is going through something. Let them know the same place the enemy attacked is going to be the same place you're going to use to perform wonders in their lives and the lives of others in the name of Jesus. Father, we lift you high. We say, do what only you can do in the service this Sunday morning in the name of Jesus. Because you are able to do far all we could ask, all we could think, all we could imagine, all we can even study in the word. We surrender to your will. Say, Father, do what only you can do and we'll give you the praise in advance. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Father, thank you because our wounded hand has now become our wonder hand. We lift you high. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and everybody shout aloud, amen. That amen sounds like your week I said shout a believing amen on this side I want you to lift up your voice and shout a believing hell amen one more time help me say my wounded hand shall become my healing hand and you may be seated hallelujah glory be to the name of our God 
Your wounded hand shall become your healing hand. Ah, I sense something happening in the service this Sunday morning. Glory to God. Have you ever been a victim of a series of unfortunate events and circumstances? Have you ever been gone through a situation when it looked like all hell was breaking loose over your life? Have you ever been there when it seems like every single moment you're hearing one thing that is negative, something you're hearing something that is bad, you're moving from fry pan to fire, like they say it in our local parlance. Your situation is getting worse. You are trusting God for a breakthrough. You are declaring God's word. You are speaking the words you hear in church and you hear from your Bible. But for some reason, everything is getting worse and getting more complicated. Then this sermon is for you this Sunday morning. This sermon is for you. I call that situation a Malta moment. Uh, look at somebody say Malta moment. Uh, Malta moment. I call that situation when it looks like everything is getting so bad, so messed up that you don't know what to do. You thought your situation will improve, but for some reason is getting worse. Somebody says, Pastor, what am I going to do? I've trusted God for these many years. I'm trusting God for A, B, C, D, but it kept getting worse. Sometime in the week, I was ministering to a lady who came for counseling and who was speaking and she was telling me what she just heard from the doctor. She thought that her situation was getting better but she just came back from the doctor and the doctor said that it's actually getting worse and right now she's saying she has to go for another surgery and she's like, I don't want to go for any other surgery anymore. That guy is getting so bad. I've been faithful in church. I'm trying to do what I can to be in the presence of God but things just keeps getting worse. Have you ever been in a situation like that or do you know somebody who's been there? If you've been there, I want you to wave your hand and say, Pastor, I have, I'm a witness. I'm a witness. Because you see somebody like, I've been there. Everything getting all wrong. You're wondering, what on else am I not doing right? Fortunately for us in the text, Paul also found himself in that situation. That's why I particularly like this text because Paul found himself in that same situation. Let me just let you see how he found himself there. If you are very conversant with the scriptures, especially the book of Acts. You know that the book of Acts is actually divided into two parts. The first part is the exploits of Peter under the hand of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 1 all the way to Acts chapter 13. But then the other part of the book of Acts is the exploits of Paul under the hand of the Holy Ghost. So that when Paul showed up in the scene, everybody just disappeared. It was now about Paul. So the book of Acts is really defined, divided therefore into the works of of the Holy Ghost through the ministry of Peter and the other apostles, while the second part and the later part is divided into the, the works of the Holy Ghost through the hands of Paul. So we see Paul now being sent to the Gentile world to be the one to carry the gospel of Jesus unto the Gentiles. And the minute he started, he was going through one bad situation or the other. He was either being flogged, he was being going through hell from one place to the other. But I'm going to leave all the things that happened before and I'll take up my conversation in Acts chapter 23. So in Acts chapter 23, 
Paul was now standing before the Sahindrins and before the Jewish council and he was standing trial. So as he was standing trial, at some point they didn't see anything wrong with what he was doing. So they took him and they, they, they decided that what they will do was that they will raise some people. As a matter of fact, in Acts 23, I believe in 27, there were these men, Jewish assassins that swore to themselves that they will not eat or drink anything until they kill Paul. They said, we will make sure we kill him. So Paul was under the threat of assassination in Acts chapter 23. Then you move over to Acts chapter 25. Paul was now taken away and he was placed in prison in Cesare for two years. So he was now unlocked, locked in Cesare for two years in Acts chapter 25. No, 24. They jumped to Acts chapter 27, what we saw last week. He was now being taken from where he was and he was taken to Rome so he can, he was being moved to Rome so he can stand before Caesar. And while he was going there in Acts chapter 27, he went to another very difficult situation and we know the story from last week, the storm called Euroclidon. Can I get a witness from somebody this Sunday morning? Are you with me? So he was moving from one bad situation, 40 assassins trying to kill him, then he moved into prison cell for two years, locked out there, then he was now being moved by sea and then there was a storm. He barely survived the storm, then he got into Acts chapter 28 now and he had now landed in a strange island called Malta that he never thought he would go. When he landed in the strange place, he thought he could just gather some sticks because it was cold and it was rainy. He thought he could gather some sticks to make him warm. But there in the sticks, there were now serpents. There was a viper that came to bite him. That is a bad situation. While he escaped the assassins, he did escape jail. While he was in jail, he moved and he met a storm. And from the storm now, he was in the, under the umbrella or the attack of the viper. Moving from one bad situation to another situation. So Paul understands what it feels like for you to go through what you're going through. But then the Bible says that as he did that crazy devil, I am so sure that the devil is not as smart as we make him look. Because if he were as smart as he factually we make him look, he should know when to stop. But the thing about the devil is that he doesn't know when to stop. So he messes one thing up. You survive it, he comes again. You survive it, he comes again. He keeps going until he pushes you into your Malta moment. So he's the one who now pushes you in a place where God has to say enough is enough. I want to show up like never before. That's what it did to Jesus. Oh, for the Bible says, if the princes of this world had known, they could not have crucified Jesus on the cross because the devil thought it was over, but he didn't know that by crucifying him, he was just complicating the situation for himself. Can I speak to somebody here? What about blind Bartimius? Blind Bartimius, ah, the name Bartimius is from the word Bar and Timius, the son of Timius. Timius means nobility. So blind Bartimius is the son of a noble man. But this man was born blind, even though his father was wealthy and noble. But what was blind Bartimius doing outside by the highway with lepers and those who had been abandoned? That's because even though he was blind, he was also shamed by the devil. And the devil forced 
forced him out of his home, out of begging from the streets in Jerusalem, and forced him out to the road. That was the devil taking it too far. Unfortunately for the enemy, one day blind Bartimaeus hit his mortal moment because while he was out there on the highway, he heard that Jesus was passing by. I kid you not, if he was in the city, he might not have heard that Jesus was passing by, but he was on the highway and the crazy devil who took his eyes forgot that blind Bartimaeus still had ears to hear. Hey, Gabadasho, he forgot that blind Bartimaeus had ears to hear. When you took his eyes, devil, you should have taken away his ears. When you took his eyes, you should have taken away his feet. So the Bible says that one day, blind Bartimaeus, who had been shamed, the son of nobility, who was locked out outside, heard that Jesus was passing by. And he got up on his feet and said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. The devil has messed my life up. The devil has messed me up. Jesus, have mercy. And guess what? They now tried to shush him. They said, blind battle, calm down. Jesus didn't come for somebody like you. He came for somebody like me. The Bible says, as they tried to tell him, keep quiet, he opened up his mouth and he shouted the louder, louder and louder. And God, the devil pushed him into his mortal moment. And Jesus had to hear and stop and he got his breakthrough. I want to speak to somebody here that the enemy has been messing up. What I want to do in this service is that I want to push you into your mortal moment. I want to push you into a place where the heavens has to hear your voice. Lift up your voice and say, Jesus, thou son of David, I'm here. Jesus, thou son of David, I'm in church this Sunday morning. Lift up your voice and shout, Jesus, I'm here this Sunday morning. So the Bible back to Acts chapter 28 pushed him into his mortal moment if the devil had just left him when he survived the storm there won't have been a need for God to show off what a wounded hand can do in the city of Malta he would have just come gently, quietly into Malta and just left that way. But the devil messed up. The devil is messing up with your life. But that is going to be his greatest undoing because God is going to show up. Look at your neighbor say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Oh, you are moving into your Malta moment. You are moving into your Malta season. And God is saying, enough is enough. Rasina, we're just talking. So, so he got into his Malta moment. And while he was in the Malta moment, the Bible says the viper came and the viper bit him. Now, what I want to do this Sunday morning is to share three things. And then perhaps next two weeks, I'm going to share another three things. I want to share three things that the, Paul did uh, that made his situation get turned around. And then when I come in two weeks time, I'm going to share, you, share with you three things that you're going to leave the Malta season of your life life with. So you don't want to miss two weeks time from now. Anybody here? Soon the witness. Alright, three things. What did Paul do? Because I love to ask myself, what did these guys do to survive what they've been through? So I'm going to share three things. Number one, get your pen. Get your pen if you're writing down. Number one, Paul set the sticks on fire. Paul set the sticks on fire. And let me race through the rest just in case I don't make it. Number one, Paul set the sticks on fire. Number two, Paul shook the devil.
devil or shook the serpent into the fire. And number three, Paul stood strong and got them to keep looking at him. <laughs> All right, number one. Let's go number one quickly because of time. Paul set the sticks on fire. Mm. So the Bible says that when he got into Malta, because of the present cold and the rain, that he decided to pick a few sticks. He was in a, a very uncomfortable situation, so he decided he would pick some resources from around him to give him some comfort. So he picked some sticks. He picked some sticks because the sticks were meant to provide some kind of sucker by providing heat and some kind of comfort for Paul. Are you with me? Are you with me so far? So he picked the sticks, but unfortunately for him, while he was picking the sticks, he had no idea that there were some snakes or there was a snake hiding in the stick. Now the snake looked like the stick, but it was not a stick. The snake talked like a stick, but the snake was not a stick. The snake might have felt like a stick, but it was not a stick. It was simply hiding and blending into the stick. Sometimes you're trying to gather some resources or some people or some things that will help your life, but in the midst of that difficulty, you make a mistake and you pick the wrong thing. And that thing that you thought was going to be a blessing to you began to all begins to destroy and to eat up your life. Those are called snakes. Look at somebody say, make sure you don't pick snakes when you're picking sticks. Oh, can I talk to somebody this Sunday morning? Make sure you don't pick sticks when you're meant to pick snakes. Sorry, make sure you don't pick snakes when you're trying to pick sticks because the snakes that are hiding in the sticks might mess up your life. When I say snakes, what do I mean, pastor? Ah, the sticks are meant to bring comfort. What do I mean by snakes? Well, snakes I, uh, uh, they could mean three things. The first thing that a snake hiding in the sticks could mean uh, is very natural and very straightforward. Uh, it can be bad people who come to your life looking like good people. <laughs> it can be bad people who come to spy uh, and come to find out things about you, uh, thinking they're going to help you, uh, but somehow they are talking and walking against you. Uh, be wary of the people you bring into your space when you're going through a storm. Uh, be careful about those you share your dreams to. Uh, be careful about those you share your problems to uh, because you might think they're bringing you comfort, but they're actually there to mess up your life. Can I get a witness from somebody? Have you ever shared to somebody something you thought could be of benefit to you, but then they used it around and they talked about you on the streets? Those guys are snakes looking like sticks. When they come to you, they say, well, I'm your friend. I just want to be with you. I just want to help you. But then they get resource from you and they take it and they go and talk about it outside. Those are snakes. They are not sticks. Ah, another popular place where there are a lot of snakes. Ah, the social media space. You've got to be careful the things you share on social media. Not everyone who is following you is your friend. Not everyone who is following you is a stick. Some of them are looking for things to use to walk against your life. Look at somebody and say, be careful for the snakes who are hiding in the sticks. Oh, a few years ago, I had a few friends I thought were sticks. They came to me looking like sticks. They talked to me like sticks. But before I knew when the fire... Ah, let me get ahead of myself. How do you separate sticks from snakes? How do you separate sticks from snakes? 
Uh, so I want you to do a separation test right now. Do a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put, yeah, 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 put some fire. So, so, what Paul did not know that the snakes were locked up with the sticks. But when he put some fire on the sticks, one burnt and produced comfort. The other one ran away and bit him. So I want you to do a separation test. Put some fire into your relationships. Put some fire into your business. And you will see the snakes will come out. And they will come out ready to bite you. Oh, Father, say, Father, help me from snakes. Snakes. Help me from snakes. Paul was praying to the and told the Thessalonian church. He wrote to the Thessalonian church and said, Thessalonian church, I want you to pray for me. I pray that God will deliver me from wicked men, unreasonable men that have not faith because they have come into my company and they are hanging around me, but they are not sticks, they are snakes. He said, Pray that God will deliver me. Or was he living in Galatia? The Bible says in the book of Galatia that Paul was saying that when he went somewhere to pray oh God I love the Bible when he went somewhere to pray with his friend Timothy that while he was there with Titus I believe some guys came in unawares to spy on their liberty have you seen that scripture before Galatians chapter 2 they came in to spy on their liberty they came to see if Titus was circumcised that's what Paul meant crazy people for you to know if somebody is circumcised, that means you have to go to the Lulu and be checking them out. They were desperate people because they were looking for something to hold against Paul. Now they looked like brothers. They hung out with them like brothers. They hung out with them like people who could help them grow in the spirit, but they had the wrong agenda. Their job was to come and look for something to hold on to Paul so it could be an issue later. Be careful with who you share your dreams with. Be careful with who you share your brand new car with. Be careful what you post on social media about your life, your new job. You don't know those who are hanging around you. Some of them are not sticks. They are snakes. Another thing that snakes could also represent is, is, is a bad reputation. A bad scandal. Have you ever gone through something or done something that even though you have repented and changed, they still see you in the same way? Some of us are suffering from something we did while we were yet teenagers. Some of us are suffering about something you did last summer that you have changed. But that reputation is still hanging over your head. You go to a new crowd and the reputation is still hanging over you. That's a snake that is hanging over your life. Can I talk to somebody this Sunday morning? Ah, uh, for somebody else, the snake might be a weight or something that you've been struggling with for a long time. Pastor, ah, there is this sin that so easily begets me. There is this weight I've been carrying. I've tried to shake it off, but it's stuck. The Bible says the, the viper stuck, fastened itself onto. Most snakes, when they bite you, they run away. This one bit and it was there, holding onto. He said, I will not let you go. I will make sure I mess you up. I'll make sure I make them think that you are evil. So much so that the people there began to ask themselves, what kind of evil man is this? That even though he survived one dangerous situation, danger and the devil has refused to let them go. Am I talking to somebody? These are all snakes. 
And God is going to deliver somebody from those snakes in this service this Sunday morning. And like I said, what do you do to snakes when you get the snakes? Oh, what do you do to separate snakes from sticks? The Bible says, Paul set a little fire on the sticks. What you need to separate snakes and let them live your life is fire. But this fire is not the fire you think. It's the fire of the Holy Ghost. You need to say, Father, set my soul on fire. Set my marriage on fire. Set my business on fire. Because when your business is set on fire, the snake who are hiding inside were going to find their way outside. I'm reminded of Acts chapter 2 while the disciples of Jesus were hiding on the upper room. Look, oh, I know we tried to make it look spiritual that they were hiding up there praying. Honey, they were not just praying. They were praying in fear. They were hiding from, from the temple priest. They were hiding because they were followers of Jesus and they were chasing them there. So the men who went up to the, to the upper room to pray were scared. They were lily livered. They were anxious. So when they were praying, they were praying in fear. But when the fire of the Holy Ghost came, hey, when the fire of the Holy Ghost came, that same man who was scared ran out to the temple court and the anxiety like a snake had flown out of his life and he stood there in the temple court and began to say, Here, O Israel, I came to talk about the same man you want to kill me for. When the fire of God comes upon your life, the snakes, the shame, all the things that were troubles over your life, they disappear. What you need is to set your soul on fire. I know we we always pray oh let the fire of the Holy Ghost burn my enemy wrong prayer point the person that the Holy Ghost needs to burn on is you Oh, you need to say fire of the Holy Ghost born in my life like never before. Because when the fire begins to burn in my life, all the snakes, all the shame, all the anxiety, all the fear, all the bad people who are hiding as good people begin to find their way out. Have you ever seen a fly pitch on a hot stove? No! Flies don't pitch on hot stoves because it burns them up. So what you need right now is the fire of the Holy Ghost. Somebody open up your hands and said fire fall on me this Sunday morning fire of the Holy Ghost fall upon my marriage this Sunday morning fire of the Holy Ghost fall upon my business this Sunday morning fire of the Holy Ghost fall upon my life set my life on fire oh, set my soul on fire for you look at sing that song with me Set my heart on fire for you, for you, oh Lord, oh Lord. Set my soul on fire. Set my heart on fire for you, for you, for you. I wanna, I wanna know your heart. Hey, can somebody help me sing?
that he set the sticks on fire. And as he set the sticks on fire, so viper flew out of the fire and he fastened on, the, on his hand. So the first thing, now you may be seated. The first thing you have to do is to set the sticks on fire. Look at somebody say, set the sticks on fire. Set my life on fire. Set your life on fire. On fire of the Holy Ghost. But then when he serpent flew out of the fire, it fastened onto his hand. It fastened onto his hand so much so that those who were around began to speak and think evil of Paul. And they said to himself, this man must be a wicked man. But the Bible did not, as they said that, Paul didn't begin to cry. He didn't begin to complain to God. He didn't begin to complain about his situation. He didn't begin to look for a pity party. Gather around me. Can you... The Bible says what he did was that he shook the beast off into the fire. He shook that thing off into the fire. He said, you are not staying here anymore. You are living my life right now. So he shook that beast off into the fire. There are some things you're going to have to shake off. Some things are going to want to hold on to you and won't let you go. You have to be forceful. For you to shake out something, you have to be forceful. It's not time. He did not pet the serpent until the serpent fell off his hand. Some things will not come off your body because you're petting it. He did not call a pity party and then at some point they said, oh, let's let her be or let him be and fall out. No, the Bible said he shook it into the fire. Ah, you need to shake it into the fire. I remember a song we used to sing while we were in secondary school. He said, shake, shake, shake into the fire. The light of God is burning in me. I will tell the truth and he's going to set me free. I'm going to shake off the beast into the fire. There are some things you have to shake off. That bad attitude that has been following you, you have to shake it off. That man, that woman that has been hanging on to your life trying to mess it up, you've got to shake them off. That sickness, that disease that is holding on to you and don't want to let you go, you've got to shake it off. That bad reputation you had in secondary school, you've got to shake it off. You've got to say it stops here right now. You're not hanging on to me right now. That reputation has got to be shaken off into the fire. It will not go until you shake it off. Oh, look at somebody say shake it off. In fact, if that person is still looking a bit tired to you, hold somebody's hand and say I'm going to shake off that beast from your life. I'm going to shake off that bad attitude from your life. Shake that hand that you're going to shake it off. Say shake, shake, shake into the fire. The light of God is burning in you. I can know the truth and it's going to set you free. I'm going to shake out a beast. And I one more time. Shake it off. Shake, shake, shake into the fire. The light of God.
those at the back that are too quiet. Hold the person's hand and shake that hand. Shake that person. Say, shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Tell him, shake it off. 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 Sing to that person one more time. Shake, 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 shake. The light of God burning in me. I will know. Shake it off. One more time. Shake, shake, shake. said he remained standing he remained standing not because he didn't feel pain if anything bites you you feel pain if a viper like that attacks you you feel pain he remained standing because he knew something that the people did not know he heard something that everybody around him had not heard God told him that I will see to it that you stand before Caesar. God said your destination is to stand before Caesar. And as far as Paul was concerned, Malta was not where Caesar was living. Your Malta moment is not where it ends. It's just a transitory place for God to show you how big he is. So because he knew that no matter what happened, I will stand before Caesar. He remained standing. He knew that the God who had brought him through many things could also take him through this one until he got to the destination. He knew that great destinations will attract great tribulations. He knew that great victories will go through great battles. So he stood strong and refused to cry like everybody expected. The thing that will keep you going is not what the Nigerian economy says. No. The thing that will keep you going is not what your doctor said. Even if the doctor said you are okay now. That's not why you will survive the present predicament. The thing that will keep you going is not because somebody came to give you a million dollars. Even though it's great to have a million dollars. The thing that ought to keep you going is what God told 
you in your private moments. What God said he's going to do in your life. And if it has not happened, then you simply haven't come to the end of your life yet. Can I talk to somebody this Sunday morning? I don't know what God told you. The Bible said, while Paul slept at night, an angel of the Lord came to him and said, Cheer up, Paul. You shall stand before Caesar. And Malta is not where Caesar lives. So Paul knew that even though a serpent was biting him, he will still go through that one. He will not die there until he stands before Caesar. Another person that trips me the most is Abraham. God said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. But then at some point, God now said, and your, your heir, Isaac, is going to be the one that will become the father and through him, I will bless you and repopulate the earth. At some point, God now tells him, take your son. Your only son, Isaac. He made it very clear, so he won't carry Ishmael. He said, take your only son, the one that you and Sarah conceived. Take that one to Mount Moriah. And I want you to kill him there as sacrifice for me. And the Bible said, Abraham never questioned God. He never complained. He never contended with instruction, even though he knew what God told him. He carried him on a three days journey. He didn't look back. They went up to the mountain. He was about to kill him. In fact, the book of Hebrews, the writer in Hebrews said, as a matter of fact, he actually killed him in his heart. Do you know why he killed him? Because he knew that even if he killed Isaac, God who told him that he would be the father of many nations will have to resurrect Isaac for that word to happen. So he's look, some of us, you read your Bible upside down. You need to read your Bible straightforward. So, as far as he was concerned, even if he killed Isaac, God will wake him up because you said you will use Isaac to bless me. So, this one, this only song, this one. So, it is not what happens in between that defines where you're going to, it's what God told you. So if you don't know how to hear from God, you better go and buy my series, How to Hear from God. We live in times where you only walk with what God said. Hello? That's why I want you to remain standing as I say this. Don't play music. What did God tell you? What did he tell you? Everybody is jackpying. Did God say you should jackpah? What did he tell you? That thing he told you is what will carry you to where God said you should get. What did God tell you? When the storms come, that thing is what will preserve you. When the Melita or the Malta moment comes, that is what will still preserve you until you get there. What did God tell you? did God tell you about your family, about your business, about your life? What did God tell you? If God said it, I believe it. And that settles it. After all the dancing is what God said. Stick to what God said. That is the one that will endure. Though the mountains will move, they still remain. Great is thy faith. I don't know this. I can't. I'm in my head. Yeah, da, 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 da. 
Pastor Chinedu Unwosu of the Bree Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. at the Nafield Arcade and Water Park, Vuse Zone 7, and midweek services at the Chiroton Hotel, number 30 Sokode Crescent, Vuse Zone 5. God bless you. <laughs>